and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting for the Martin Studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Well, today on the show, we're going to talk a little about controlling spray drift. But if you've got any questions about anything going on in your farm, or if there's just something you'd like to talk about, agronomy speaking, we'd love to visit with you today. Our, uh, today, our phone lines will be open all throughout the show. The number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. You can also find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, so with this controlling spray drift thing, I just want to make this clarification as we start the show. There's a difference between spray drift and volatility in our book. Okay, What we mean by spray drift is when you're spraying and the wind is blowing and you can physically see that there is movement and your product is not landing on target. It is moving. All right. What we mean by volatility is when you land it properly on the target, but then it vaporizes, lifts up in the air, and moves off off-site. So there are really only two main products that we talk about with volatility. One is old 240D, not the new Freelex or Enlist One. So if you want to avoid volatility with 240D, just quit using old 240D. You shouldn't use Amine anymore. You shouldn't use LV6 or LV4 anymore. Those products are old. They're bad. You don't want them. You want the new stuff that doesn't have that volatility issue. Okay, so as long as you do that, now we got one product left, and I think we all know what that is. That's dicamba. And unfortunately, we have no solution for you on this dicamba volatility thing. I don't care what you use. I don't care what spray nozzle you use. I don't care how many drift retardants you want to throw in there. I don't care how your boom is set. I, I, I mean, can all those things make a difference? Of course they can. So the better job you do with all that, the less volatility you're going to have. But we can't eliminate 100% of volatility with dicamba. That's all I'm trying to say. So the only way you can eliminate 100% of the risk with volatility and dicamba is just flat out not spray it. So that's the reason why we would encourage you to spray your dicamba. And I don't care if we're talking dicamba in corn or beans or what formulation or anything. Just spray it as early as possible in the season. Get it over with and then you're good to go. Soybeans will start to flower, in at least in the northern United States, around the 20th of June. Okay, Maybe 4th of July at the latest. So if you're all done spraying your dicamba before the 20th of June, it's much safer. Now, you can still cup soybean leaves, but usually the yield damage is not nearly as much. So anyway, try to get that dicamba done as early as possible. That's the only thing that can absolutely eliminate the volatility risk. But throughout the show today, we'll talk a little about more things you can do to reduce spray drift, things you can do to reduce volatility risk, and we'll go through that uh, as we continue on here in our show. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, Brian, this one comes in from Tim over in the UK. And Tim said, I want to talk to you guys about nitrogen applications on corn. I know you had talked to a grower on your show uh, that had mentioned spoon feeding and making three different application timings of nitrogen. We've got 125 acres of corn silage for our dairy, and we are limited 
to about 133 pounds of nitrogen per acre, which is 150 kilos per hectare over here. Uh, he said, so we've put a little bit of DAP out there, which had about 20 units of N per acre, in furrow with the seed. Ooh, I don't know about in furrow DAP. Ah, ooh. That, that, now I'm not a big fan of that nope, one, Tim. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, you said, don't want very, to do that. Very soon we'll get out and apply the rest of our allowance in one hit as broadcast ammonium nitrate. We're at about V1 corn right now. We do have access to uh, some low-scorch foliar 28% N products. Uh, would be similar to some things you guys have in the States. Uh, we, we do plan on doing some trials with foliar N this year. So with one application and with two applications of foliar, uh, do you have any insights about when would be the best times if we made a single app or if we made two apps out in the crop? And then just <laughs> anything else you have for recommendations to boost forage, yield, and quality like gibberellic acid, other nutrients, that type of thing. Okay. The timing, we get asked the question on timing very often. Let me put it to you this way. The best timing is when your crop's going to run the most short. So if you didn't get your early season nitrogen on when you wanted to, and now all of a sudden your corn is starting to suffer a little bit, well, of course, then the foliar is going to pay better than if you did get your stuff on and it's all sitting there and available. The, the one important thing that I would encourage you to do, and quite frankly for any of our listeners, look at the timing on when nutrients get used by the plant. So there are universities like, uh, like Iowa State, for example. You can look at the nitrogen use chart for corn on when it gets used in the plant. And I'm going to say, and I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, but roughly let's call it V12. So at a V12 plant, that's big. I mean, it's like head high or, or getting close to it. And at that point, the crop's only used like 20, 25% of its nitrogen. That's it. It still needs to use a crazy amount of N. Even at tassel time, you've got, I think it's 40 or 50% left So I, that, that you need to use on the year. So what I'm trying to say here is, Yes, we need nitrogen early, and we don't want our crop to be short on nitrogen even a single day, but there's a much bigger need as you go a little bit later in the year. So a lot of people here in the United States will end up going out with a foliar nitrogen product somewhere around that uh, just before tassel, just after tassel, something like that, because that's the stage where the crop is starting to use a crazy amount every single day. Anyway, in terms of other factors for that silage and tonnage and all I, I just say we want good balanced nutrients in the soil we want to make sure we have good drainage number one but have good balanced fertility so that means looking at everything not just nitrogen not just NPNK but all the secondary and micronutrients have a good balance in the soil and if you ever want to send us your soil test we'd be more than happy to take a look at them you mentioned gibberellic acid that's really important early in the season once if not twice like in that v2 to v6 stage it'll give you more height it'll give you more tonnage that's been proven all right, stay tuned. We'll talk spray drift right after this. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. 
maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash howler to learn more. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Farmers across the country are raving about Germinator closing wheels. Paul from New York says, I'll definitely be using the Germinator wheels again and will be telling everyone I know. For more Germinator success stories, visit farmshopmfg.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Very important and timely topic here, controlling spray drift. Literally get questions about this every single day. What do you think of the additives? What do you think of the tips? Uh, what about this product or that product? Uh, man, it just goes on and on and on. Brian gave a little taste of that to start the show off today. But you know, one of the things that I've really liked and, and one of the places where we've seen a lot of development and a lot of technology and research has been on spray tips. And we've got Nick Flights with us right now with Hypro to talk about that a little bit. Nick, I've loved your ULD nozzles, your ultra low drift nozzles. And I was thinking, man, I'm set. I'm just using these things. They've been great. Uh, but you've got a lot of other technology. And of course, there've been new products that have come out and they've requested certain tips and all this. How, how does that happen behind the scenes, Nick, as companies are coming with new products, they know they're going to have some some new issues to deal with. Uh, are you one of the first guys they call? At times we can be, um, you know, as new chemistries are being brought to the market, you know, they know kind of agronomically, they have a goal in mind uh, when they're bringing a new product to market, whether it's a fungicide, insecticide, herbicide, you know, they're targeting a certain pest with it. And, you know, kind of goes along with that are some of the agronomic principles of, um, you know, the growth stage things will be applied and, and coverage and drift reduction. Uh, like the topic you're, you're discussing today is something that gets considered uh, and it's something that at times com chemical companies will come and ask for, um, hey, are there options on the table that can provide these type of performance characteristics? And if there aren't options there, that's at times when a new development project uh, can be undertaken jointly with them to try and develop a new nozzle that's going to you know, give the, the correct balance of drift reduction and coverage or canopy penetration and, and targeting of certain certain species or different growth stages. 
Yeah, as we look at, at the different spray tips, it, it's been neat to see the kind of coverage you can get. And I mentioned the ULD nozzle. I, I like it because that spray pattern looks so good, but I haven't always seen that over the years with nozzles trying to produce more coarse droplets. What's been the change there, Nick? Why are some of these new nozzles so much better? Well, so if I'm being honest, I agree with you. The ULD is my favorite nozzle. You can do a whole heck of a lot with it and do a good job. And, you know, historically, um, the focus on drift reduction has been, well, just make, you know, really coarse, you know, make droplets as large as we can. Um, and that's kind of been the easy, low-hanging fruit, right? Just shift the droplet spectrum upward and, and get that droplet size larger. In more recent years, it's, there's been more of a focus on the smallest 10% of droplets that that nozzle creates. Because the nozzle is not going to create all droplets the same size. There's going to be a whole range of droplet sizes created. So how do we focus on those smaller droplets, reduce the volume and number of those small droplets that are the, the big offenders on drifting and evaporating under hot temperatures that can reduce coverage and, and cause downwind damage? If we can focus on those and reduce those without making a big change on the overall droplet size, then we can really get the best of both worlds of good coverage from smaller droplets, a higher droplet number to give us a higher density of droplets that can cover on the surface, but we can still get good drift reduction. So that's been a lot of the focus that, that HirePro has been working on, you know, the past um, past decade or so is focusing on those small droplets without having a big impact on the overall droplet spectrum, making those coarser. Um, and, and that's where, you know, you can see some, some reductions in, in coverage occur if you get that overall droplet size too coarse. Sure, sure. And, and uh, for anybody listening to if you haven't heard Nick speak before, uh, Nick has been absolutely uh, the leader on our Ag PhD spray tip guide, just pouring through labels and product after product and trying to figure out, okay, which nozzle will best accomplish this purpose. So if you are thinking, well, hey, I'm going to be spraying here the rest of the summer, and I'm going to use a whole bunch of different products. I'm wondering which tips to use. The Ag PhD Spray Tip Guide is a free download, and it's a great guide as to which nozzles are going to provide you what you need. And, you know, Nick, it does get confusing reading some of these labels and, and trying to figure all this stuff out. How, how do you sort through that? It can get confusing at times. You know, there's a lot to, to look through. Um, but there's also a lot of just old grandfathered in language with certain chemistries and companies that they don't always put a lot of focus on it. Um, so honestly, a lot of it, you know, I followed the label. I followed the label because that's the law. But then beyond that, the next step is to use my background as a weed scientist and agronomist to consider the type of chemistry that's being used, whether it's contact, systemic, when it's going to be applied, and then also the formulation type uh, to avoid any plugging and, and compatibility issues that can come up with certain nozzle types and certain chemistries. So um, it's, it's a science and an art combined together to, uh, to, to come to a lot of those recommendations. And I'm glad you plugged the, the, the app. It's a great tool. You can go on and search by the chemistry that you are applying and get a nozzle recommendation based on that specific chemistry. Um, so I would encourage folks to, to go try it out and use it. 
I know one way to make your tips not work, though, Nick, and that's by adding drift control products to the tank at uh, full labeled rates or maybe even a little bit more because, hey, it's a little windy out there. Let's just put a little bit more of that drift control product in. We see spray patterns that aren't exactly how they're intended to be in coverage. It isn't very good. How, how do you do that? Can you work together? I mean, will uh, a ULD nozzle work well with these drift control products? Or if you're using a nozzle that's already producing coarse droplets, you reduce your need for some of those products. Where, where's your stance? Yeah, I start at the nozzle first. The nozzle that you use is going to have the single biggest impact on drift potential. So start at the nozzle level and look at, at what's around you when you're spraying. Um, look at what's grown around you or if there's developments, you're near to town. Uh, look at the weather conditions, if it's usually windier when you're spraying, and, and base your nozzle off that. You mentioned the ULD. There's some really good nozzle technology on the market today that can give you a good balance of drift reduction without sacrificing coverage too much so you still get good agronomic performance. Now, the other practices... There's good adjuvants that can help give you additive benefits in that. Um, others practices setting up your sprayer and how you run it. They can all work in concert with one another. But like you said, there can be compatibility issues at times with some of those drift reduction adjuvants. Um, and it can be a fine line if you go over that labeled rate where it can get too thick and you get pattern collapse and performance issues. So um, there's really... There's no great rule to follow with a nozzle and a specific drift reduction adjuvant. They're all a little bit different. Yeah. The formulation and how the adjuvant company designs them. Sometimes they'll design them with the most popular nozzle for the intended use. Um, so it, there can be compatibility issues there. So it's probably good to try out um, on a smaller basis if you can or talk to the the adjuvant company or the nozzle company and see if they have experience with that specific combination of adjuvant and nozzle and they may be able to tell you if it's been an issue they're probably going to know about it uh, so they can tell you hey this that's a good combination or um, that one we know may give you an issue uh, so you may want to steer to a different nozzle or a different adjuvant um, but kind of like we talk about the the chemical compatibility in the jar test um, you know, it's good to, to try and test some of these things out beforehand if you, if you can, um, before you have to get out and spraying, whether you just put a little bit of water in that adjuvant tank and try it real quick, um, could, could be a good way to, um, check for that before you do your full mix and have to go out and spray and, and then find that you have a, a compatibility issue. Yeah, you don't want to have a mess of the big tank, no doubt about that. And you don't want to have poor performance in the field. That's why we like talking with Nick Flights up front here with Pentair Hypro to pick those right nozzles and, and certainly uh, recommend one more time using the Ag PhD Spray Tip Guide. It's free. Uh, you've got almost every product we could think of in there and uh, great recommendations on which nozzles to use as well. Nick, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the work you do thanks for being on today yes sir thanks for having me on talking about spray drift and how you can control it on your farm you definitely can there's a number of things you can do we started with spray tips we'll talk about some other things coming up right after this
It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitech fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitech fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Maximum application flexibility. Maximum yields at harvest, whether or not. Relentless is the kind of control you'll always get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Low use rate Anthem Max Herbicide protects corn and soybean crops from the toughest broadleaf weeds and grasses, including water hemp, palmer pigweed, foxtails, crabgrass, and more. Dual modes of action and lasting overlapping residuals also help you minimize resistance in your fields. Its easy to tank mix formulation and wide application window make Anthem Max Herbicide the crop protection choice that's ready when you are. Rain or shine. Weather or not, relentless. That's Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We are taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or by email, radio at agphd.com. And our discussion today is starting off with controlling spray drift. And we talked spray tips a little bit to start, and we may get into that here as well. But real happy to have Steve Snyder on with us right now. He's with Corteva, and he works a lot with the Enlist crop. Steve, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for inviting me. appreciate it. You know, what a great tool to be able to use a new 
low volatility, low volatility, or I would even say no volatility, but I, I probably can't say that. Uh, but very, very low volatility product, a new product in list. It's great. And, and a year like this where guys have struggled getting pre's on, now we've got a great option that can burn down things that are already up or a burn down that could be used right at planting or right after planting. I mean, the flexibility has been nice. But Steve, I got to to start with this one. Everybody's nervous because there have been some challenges, to say the least, around dicamba. Uh, but this Enlist product, we worked with it a long time. We just haven't seen a problem, and, and you work with it every day. So talk to us a little bit about the new Enlist and, and why it's different and what you're seeing out there. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're in the third or the fourth full season of the Enlist E3 soybeans. So we've got a lot of experience. We've got a lot of, a lot of acres covered in the last three years. So we're very excited for what's going to happen this summer. Yeah, the, the 240 choline, which is in the two herbicides, Enlist 1, which is a straight goods 240, and then Enlist Duo, which has a premix of glyphosate, uh, that's 240 choline. So it's different than the amines and esters. Uh, excellent weed control. But like you said earlier, we have near zero volatility. So it performs uh, very well, not only on weed control, but once it hits target, whether it's a soil, crop, or weeds, uh, just doesn't get up and move off-site one, two, three days later. So a uh, very stable uh, formulation of 240. Yeah, it's been really nice. So we, we've used the product a lot in our farm and at our Ag PhD field day. We've been using uh, Freelex, which would be a 240 choline, not the one that you'd use in crop, but the one you can use um, you know, in, in grassy areas, that kind of thing. And that's that's been nice, too, because we get sensitive crops all over. And you know, we were nervous when we were spraying next to cotton and tomato plants and all these things, and we just haven't seen an issue, Steve. Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, you talk about volatility. That's the choline 240, uh, given near-zero volatility. But you also need to talk about driftable fines, application. And I know you spoke a little on it earlier, but the correct nozzle is so important. We have over 100 approved nozzles for the Enlist herbicides. And we get, I think the key is getting really good coverage. I mean, there's a lot of good herbicides out there that give good weed control. But I think the key is getting good coverage. If you don't get good coverage with a proper nozzle, you know, if your droplets are too large and are rolling off the leaves of the weeds, you're not going to get a full dose, a lethal dose on that weed. So we have some uh, excellent nozzles that give excellent coverage. And with the proper take mix partners, and there's uh, there's many take mix partners you can use, getting good coverage gets good weed control, and we can do that with the Enlist system. So we, we did get over an, over an additional 100 more nozzles approved for this season. So we had good good options before, now we have even more. That's awesome. And you can spray and list up to R1 now. And that's that's a long time, but it's a lot different, Steve. When you talk about that coverage piece, as you get bigger soybeans, are you promoting for, for growers, get out there early and focus on, hey, let's get two-inch tall weeds and knock them out? Or how do you kind of approach that? Because R1, you could have some crop canopy out there, and it, it's tougher to get that, that coverage down through. Well, as far as timing, it's actually through R1 up to R2. So we can go through completely through the R1 stage. And when you hit uh, full flower at R2, that's when you stop. But yeah, the tank mix partners are very important and weed height is very important. Our label says less than six inch weeds. Obviously, we want to target two to four inch weeds. Uh, 240 is a growth regulator, kills growing points. Smaller weeds have less growing points. So it just makes a lot of common sense to spray them early. 
and uh, hopefully folks are also using you know it's probably already done but the pre-emerge herbicides help as well and, and tank mix partners help as well so target them small we have a lot of flexibility with enlist one i uh, use a tank mix partner that's appropriate for the weed spectrum you got whether it's pigweed down south or kosher out west i mean there's a there's a good tank mix partner to give good weed control one of the things steve that i've been um more aware of recently is just sprayer operation and all the different things that you need to be thinking about because uh, definitely think about tips and think about additives and those types of things. But uh, you also make a lot of recommendations about how that sprayer should be run in terms of speed and boom height and all these things. Can you talk through that and what's been working really well for guys? Oh, absolutely. I mean, specific nozzles have their recommendations for boom height above crop canopy. But typically, it's 20 to 24 inches above the canopy. Uh, as you get higher than 24 inches, you got more opportunity for off-target movement while you're spraying for the driftable fine. So it's very important to have the right height. Uh, wind speed is very important. I mean, our label, uh, we recommend a 3 to 10 mile an hour wind during application. But we are labeled up to a 15 mile an hour wind, which is different than some other herbicides. So that gives you a little bit more flexibility. But, you know, target... You know, you want some wind, you don't want a wind speed less than three or a calm day, then you can get these uh, real small micron driftable fines actually float in the air and can move later uh, due to air inversion. So we want a little bit of wind to get them, get it down on, through the canopy and on the weeds. And uh, we just want to make sure we're, we're doing it at the right speed. I mean, if you're driving too fast and those booms are three feet off the ground and then six feet off the ground, it just you just don't get good coverage and you got more potential for off target. So, yeah, there's a a lot of things on the enlist.com website in our product use guide that really explains proper application. It's very very important. You know, when you you think about it, Steve, there's going to be a lot of acres this year. This enlist. Uh, soybean market share has really been growing. Uh, as you get new users coming on board, what do you, what would you say are some of the tips that you have to to just avoid problems and uh, avoid drift issues out in fields? Well, it kind of depends on your style. I mean, you can call. Uh, my name is Steve Snyder. I have uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Minnesota, but we have seven enlist field specialists throughout the country. Uh, there's 34 states where enlist is labeled in. So we have those resources. You have your local territory manager for Corteva. But if you'd like to go online, enlist.com, we have resources there where you can actually do a training session. I mean, and most of us, it's not required, uh, not my area. And uh, you can go on there and learn more. You can get a lot of different fact sheets. I mean, there's, there's a fact sheet on proper tank mixing order. There's a fact sheet on proper clean out of your sprayer. I mean, those resources are all there. And we've spent a lot of time in summer tours over the last few years educating, winter meetings educating, but definitely reach out. Don't don't guess. We, we want you to do it right. And quite frankly, the label is the law, and uh, we'd like everybody to, to at least read through the label once and, and get a good idea of what they're trying to do. Yeah, a lot of good information out there about Enlist, no doubt about that, and, and we've had great luck across uh, North America with that, too. Talking to Steve Snyder here with Corteva. Steve, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the info today, and thanks for what you're doing. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to the end of July and getting out to your field day again. Awesome. Yeah, we're looking forward to July 28th and the big Ag PhD field day this year, too. And that, that's been kind of a cool thing that there's so many new technologies out there. We talked about some of the new 
uh, spray tips and and of course uh, going into the fourth season now of Enlist E3 soybeans man there are a lot of neat things that, that we can see out there alright Brian you've had a lot of Enlist soybeans on your ground as well what would you say uh, some of the big takeaways are when it comes to spray drift because we just haven't seen an issue yet well, I don't want to if, jinx us. Yeah, but if all we're talking about is spray drift and not the volatility issue of dicamba, well, then it changes things a little bit. But, I mean, the biggest thing is it's wind speed and wind direction. So I, as as we've been doing this uh, this show today, I've also been typing some instructions up for our guys on our own farm, and we're going to start spraying our, our corn later today. And so one of my big things is, okay, we got a couple of neighbors where we got to be really careful. There are houses right there, gardens, trees, off-target things. And I just said, okay, on that side of the field, the wind's got to be blowing out of this direction so it's away from them. So that may mean doing part fields. I know it's extra work to do it that way, but that's one of the biggest things that we do when we're in a more populated area than some others. Well, we'll talk more about spray drift right after this. When you pull your side dress bar out of the shed, do you dread the time and expense of replacing worn colders and bearings? There's a better way. Hi, Greg Souter, 360 Yield Center. 360 Wide Drop for side dress bars is a quick, low-cost upgrade that cuts maintenance costs. Plus, you're likely to get a yield boost from moving nitrogen from the middle of the row to the root zone. Save time, money, and boost yield potential with 360 Wide Drop Side Dress. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Growing up on the farm, I woke up as early as mom and dad. I put as many hours on the tractor, changed as many teeth on the tiller as my brothers. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, man or woman, 
When there's work to be done, you put your boots on and you do it. I do that on my farm and in my job at Case IH. My name is Kelsey, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. talking spray drift management on today's Ag PhD radio show and we're taking your calls and agronomic questions too at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got our friend Jim Reese on right now with Precision Labs to talk a little bit about some of the other things you may put in the tank to help control some spray drift. Jim, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me guys. I love the idea that you can have a jug of something carried along with you in the sprayer that you know what hey it's beautiful it's a three or four mile an hour breeze this morning everything's just landing perfectly on the crop but if it starts picking up uh i can add something to that tank and and keep going and finish out the batch at least uh is that where it ends or is that just where it begins because there's a lot more that these products can do yeah i think that's probably where it begins um and actually maybe we ought to just start thinking about controlling drift a little bit differently. I mean, it's always a benefit to control drift, but really, if we could just do a better job putting more product on the target crop, we would be a lot better off. I mean, gosh, it's not hard to imagine that if you're spraying a $25 an acre tank mix and 20% of it could be blown across the field, that's that's $5 of herbicide or $5 of your tank mix that's not on your field, not doing its job. So... I really think it's not only just drift control, but it's deposition as well. I think uh, we were talking with Nick Flights earlier with Pentair Hypro, and he said, you know what? Spray tips aren't going to produce every droplet exactly the same size. There's always going to be some different size droplets out there. They can always use some help. They're not perfect. And uh, adding products to that to help get more of the stuff you're trying to get on the plants on the plants well that makes a lot of sense to me but you know you think about some of these products i I remember back gosh 20 or more years ago there are these polyacrylamide products that man they could get really thick on us i know it's developed a long way since then yeah the polyacrylamide technology has developed a a long ways they're actually a little more user-friendly now but um, there are certain drip reduction technologies that kind of break down over time with pump shear, and that's unfortunately that's one of them. So sometimes the really low-cost technology uh, ends up running out of gas or just breaking down before your application's over. So you, you kind of keep an eye, eye, an eye on which of the drip reduction technologies you're using. Some are certainly more vulnerable to, to uh, pump shear than others. Talk to us about that a little bit, Jim. Where where do we go here and and uh, with these products? Is there are there universal things that work everywhere, or do we kind of have to pick and choose based on whatever product we're spraying? Yeah, that's a great question. I think because I want it easy, uh, Jim. I just want to press the easy button and say, "Here's one oh, thing that solves all my problems." I Nobody know, ever asked like for that. <laughs> Well, no, and you knew I would make it complicated, too. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, there is, let's be fair, there is an awful lot of science that goes into this and chemistry, and uh, fortunately, you're a lot better at that than I am uh, in terms of developing these things. You mentioned pump shear, and I thought, oh, I wonder how many guys really realize how, what a difference that makes with some of these products, too. 
Yeah, actually, and, and pump shear is a real thing, and, and some of these uh, materials, it doesn't wear out in the first part of the spray tank, right? But as it goes through the pump, it some of the, uh, like the polyacrylamides, uh, a lot of that technology breaks down over time, every time it passes through the pump. So it's probably not a really big deal at the beginning of your spray operation because the spray solution is not passing through all that often, but as you get to that last half of the tank, especially maybe the last 20 acres in the tank, you're really running that stuff through the pump and chopping it up and it just isn't effective anymore. And then you end up with a lot of spray drift at the end. Um, but that's all from pump shear. I do wish I could make it simpler, but different nozzles um, react differently with different um, adjuvant technologies or different drip reduction technologies. And uh, it kind of matters what you're spraying too, because that has a big impact on, on the whole mixture as well. You know, when you think about some of these new products, too, they, they create some additional challenges, like dicamba, for example. Uh, what have you seen with that? I know you've done a lot of work with that compound and, and trying to, to keep that in place and, and have certainly made some, some developments and some progress uh, versus, like, say, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah, actually, uh, you know, again, with dicamba, we're kind of re uh, regulated, right, by the what nozzles we can use. So we only get to use certain types of nozzles. Um, and I think there are some big differences between nozzles that are used. While they all may make the uh, be approved from a drip reduction uh, standpoint, they aren't all equal in efficacy, you know, in killing weeds. Um, and then some of the polymer technologies that work really well. Um, and really, that that is a play where the newer polyacrylamide technology seems to uh, survive well, uh, or or. Uh, do a good job, but now, gosh, we've got, for, for dicamba, we have products that uh, are drift reduction, um, surfactant, uh, are multifunctional, right? Drift reduction, surfactant, water conditioning, maybe even a, a volatility reduction aid for dicamba, all in one product. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it sure it sure is, and you mentioned a lot of different things there that need to change, and and you mentioned water conditioner and and others. Um, when you think about all those different components, uh, yeah, it, there there is a lot to think about here. There really is, but you know it does again. It all goes back to if you're not putting it on target, what does the rest of it matter, right? You can have surfactant, you have water conditioning, you could have additional penetration from the adjuvant package, but if you can't get it to hit the target, doesn't do it. It doesn't mean anything. So thinking more about putting our investment on the crop and even through deposition aids or drip reduction, it's a real big deal. You know, coming in, coming uh, into this season, we've got high crop prices. We've got uh, some expensive inputs out there and uh, a lot of stuff to get done. We, we think about tar spot and some of these other tough things that we're going to be dealing with. And fortunately, the, the application timing for things like tar spot comes into play with other things that we're going to be doing. So we're going to be mixing a bunch of different products in the tank. Uh, I guess when, when you look at those complicated tank mixes that we're putting out there too. Uh, what do you recommend to keep things on target, to keep uh, things sticking to the leaves as well as they possibly can and, and not to drop a whole bunch on the ground because we want it to, for the most part, many of these applications like fungicide and insecticide, we'd love to keep it all in the plant. Yeah. And, and that probably really changes the way I spray, right? I wouldn't. So the nozzle selection I use for spraying dicamba, 
is a lot different than the nozzle selection I would use for spraying fungicides and insecticides. Um, and then again, I'm, I want to make sure I'm getting adequate coverage, so I've got to think about the water volume I'm using. And, and there are certainly adjuvant technologies that can improve the deposition of those materials and keep more of it, more product in the field and on the leaf surface. And that may be a situation where we don't want to make droplets that are just so big that they, they bounce off the target. Right, right. Yeah, there's often a happy medium there, no doubt about that. Okay, uh, last question for you, Jim. What's your biggest challenge right now? And I know the egg industry asks you for a lot because there's a lot of different things that we're doing out in the field, but uh, is there a big challenge that you're working on now or, or a big challenge that you've recently solved? You know, actually, I think, uh, I think there is. Through uh, the Council of Producers and Distributors of Agrotechnology, CPDA, and you'll notice uh, on some adjuvant labels, they're, they're CPDA approved. Um, CPDA just launched an application enhancement certification program. And it's really all about um, focusing on the, the attribute of the overall application and really about how much more product you're putting on target. So you'll hear more details in the future, but this application enhancement certification is going to be a really great tool to look at, uh, you know, a list of nozzles and and relative to an adjuvant and certain types of formulate uh, crop protection product formulations, and you'll be actually be able to see through certified tests how much more material that you're keeping in this target range between 160 and 840 microns droplet sizes. How much more product you're putting on target compared to just the nozzle alone? It's it's a really cool program. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds interesting. And, and yeah, we want to do the best we can. Uh, you've mentioned this a couple of times. It's expensive what we're trying to do out in the fields and, and making the most out of that. It comes down to a lot of different factors, including what additives you're going to put in the tank to keep things on target and, and working for you. We've been talking with Jim Reese here with Precision Labs. Jim, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it. We'll talk more about controlling spray drift and get into the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. 
Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. been talking spray drift management here on today's Ag PhD radio show. We've got a number of questions for the Ag PhD mailbags. We'll dive back in there. This one comes from Randy, and he said, guys, I've been searching for a formula to know how much P and K to put on to reach my desired pounds per acre on a soil test. And I found one of your podcasts talking about the formula to put potash on to achieve a desired base saturation K level. And uh, before I would listen, could listen to it again, it got deleted. So I missed that. I wonder, could you give me the K formula? And then I've also been searching for a long time for a phosphorus formula. So for example, say I want to raise my phosphorus by 20 pounds per acre. How much DAP do I actually need to put on? Okay. Um, 20 pounds of phosphorus. So let, let's, first of all, let me step back for a second and talk about parts per million and pounds per acre, all right? When we look at a, at most soil tests, they are six-inch samples. A six-inch sample is representative of roughly two million pounds because in soil, on an acre basis, three every three inches weighs approximately a million pounds. So it's not exact, but that's going to get you close, okay? So that's the reason why we say to convert parts per million two pounds per acre, you have to multiply times two. Because again, that six inch sample is representative of two million pounds. So if we say we have 10 parts per million and it's representative of two million pounds, you multiply times two. So 10 parts per million times two would give you 20 pounds per acre. But anyway, in his example, he said, all right, I've already, I I just want to raise my soil test level by 20 pounds per acre. Well, then you just put 20 pounds per acre on. That's literally all you have to do. Now, when you say DAP, let's keep in mind, DAP is not, so, all right, 1846-0 is DAP, okay? That means 18% nitrogen, 46% phosphorus, but 
Is it phosphorus? No, it's not. It's phosphate. So that's where this confusion comes in. So it's not really 1846, though. It is 46%, but that's phosphate. And to convert phosphate down to phosphorus, you'd have to divide by 2.3. So let's see. Let me run the math here real quick. So if I take 46 divided by 2.3, that is going to give me should be 20. Yep, 20. So figured I could do that in my head. Anyway, so what you're at then is you're really only 20% phosphorus. So in other words, for every 100 pounds of DAP, you've got 20 pounds of phosphorus. So you said, how much does it take to get 20 pounds more phosphorus in my soil test? You put on 100 pounds of DAP. There you go. Done. Now, on the, the K thing, the reason why that's a little bit different is just because you you weren't asking the question, how do I raise my parts per million or pounds per acre? You said, how do I change my percent base saturation K? And this also is not going to be exact, but it'll get you relatively close. So all we need to do is take, all right, wherever we're at, look at, the, look at your parts per million or look at your... Let's, you were talking pounds per acre, so let's look at your pounds per acre of K. Let's just say, for example, right now I've got 200 pounds of K out in my field. And let's say that right now I'm at 2% base saturation K, and I want to go to 4% base saturation K as my goal. So all you do is you take however many pounds you have today, you multiply that times your goal, and divide that by what you currently have percent. So in other words, I take 200 pounds times 4% divided by 2%. That's going to give me 400 pounds. I then subtract off what I already... So in other words, in order to have 4% base saturation K in my example, I'd have to have 400 pounds of K out in that field. Okay. So if I've already got 200 there and I got to get to 400, that tells me I have to add 200 more pounds of actual K. And just remember that with potash, even though it's 0060, it's only 50% K. The 60% means K2O, potassium oxide. Okay, so if your soil test is saying K and you want to raise your K level, then you got to figure potash is only worth 50% K, not the 60% a lot of people think. All right, so for all our people who don't like math, uh, sorry that I lost you for four and a half minutes there, but let's get back to it, Darren. All right, Brandon, let's go Let's go to herbicides then a little bit. So Thank this goodness. one comes in from Bradley who says, do you think that a residual chemical, uh, several questions. So first question, do you think a residual chemical without the burn down, like Prowl, for example, yep. will be absorbed, metabolized, and rendered inert by a cover crop as much as authority or metribuzin that do have burn down impacts? Does, does the plant still ingest it like it would something like uh, Authority or Metribuzin where Or does oh, burning mean oh, that the plant okay, ingested so, it? Okay, so so really the question is, there is there's, there's crop and a whole bunch of weeds that are out there right now. Does the plant take some of that in and render it ineffective? Yes. So... I mean, that absolutely can happen. We want to get that prowl on the ground. Prowl is a, a decent residual product, but in order to have that residual, it's got to get in the ground and go up through the root system. So, yes, that, that can make an absolute difference. Now, um, 
if you've got the burn down products, some of that gets into the plant and it's already killing that plant. So it's going to be a little bit more effective. So this is the reason why when we talk about cover crops and let's say your cover, cover crop is big, why you want to get that burn down first or cut down or something like that when you start using residual products. Now, if you're, you're cover crop is three inches tall. I don't care. It's not that big a deal. But when it's eight inches, 12 inches, two feet tall, that's a different story. Okay. So if you ran a roundup burn down first and yep. fried everything off, yep. now you're saying it's just not going to take in some of that. It's right. not going to break down some of the product. So you could do your burn down first, then come back with the residual. Yes. And I'd only want to do that when I have lots of cover crop out there in the first place or for that matter let's say it was absolutely solid thick of weeds that are two feet tall then you got to do something first if you want to get that residual product below and have it be a hundred percent effective to have it be 30 percent or 50 percent effective would it be sure I'm, I'm sure it would but I, I try to get the most bang for my buck out of whatever I'm going to spray all right uh so follow-up questions then he said do you think that authorities being bound to the plant molecules in the burn down creating a strong bound making it inert and do you think the residual chemicals without a burn down are making more making it to the soil in compared to authority so if you put the three pre's out you'd get a lot more activity out of the prowl than you'd get out of the authority either way the same amount's going to get to the soil so you're going to have similar residual, but the residual is going to be cut because so much got used up by plants or weeds right away. All right. So I think that's the best way I can answer that question in as simple as a simple a form as possible. All right. Well, thanks for the question. Uh, next one comes from Luke down in Kansas. And he said, all right, guys, let me tell you about my soil. Uh, I've got an average of 15 to 20 CEC. I've got low to medium PNK levels, so last fall we put on removal rates plus a slight build, and our pH has been corrected over the last couple years with AgLime. So now I'm thinking about trying out some foliar fertilizers in my corn, and I'm looking at a product that has 10% boron, but it has 1% fulvic and humic acid. Now I already made my post-corn applications, but I'm coming back with Y-drops later. Can I put that white that fertilizer on? It's supposed to be a foliar. Could I put it on at the base of the plant, or does it really need to be on the leaf? My cornfields are V5 to V8. Uh, I could just wait until tassel when airplanes are going to spray my fungicide. And then I, there's one more question after this, so take that one first. Okay. Can you spray it at the base of the plant? Of course you can. But if you're going to do a liquid fertilizer, usually the liquids cost more money because of how how they can get into the plant. So for example, with, like with that fulvic, that little bit of fulvic in there, that usually helps get the product into the plant and get a little bit more effectiveness out of it. So if you want to go that direction, you can. If you're just going to start putting stuff on the soil, then why don't you do a dry product in the spring that's like, I don't know, one-fifth the price? Save the money then and and just go with something cheaper or you could put more pounds on that way too however you want to look at it so if i'm going to buy a foliar product i'm going to use it foliar okay and this last question what's your take on liquid carbon it's, is it worth five bucks an acre to try uh try it i just wouldn't go crazy on it do i think it's worth it no is it possible it could be worth it absolutely it's possible so, sure, it's worth a try. Yep, a lot of things out there, and, yeah, that's the one way you'll know if it worked or not. Now, I'd say this. If you're going to do that, just do that alone, and then you'll see if that works and uh, if you get a benefit or not because sometimes we see 
people trying four or five things at the same time that don't really know if each component works. So I'd maybe just try it by itself. Hey, thanks for the questions. We really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.